Hey everybody, it's 321. Yep. Uh, episode 321 of the Ask Gary B shows, and I'm super excited because this is the Gary V Audio Experience. You know, it, what's really interesting is every time I bring up Brian's name out of, you know, or if it's brought up and I talk about knowing him and liking him or things of that nature, it's we were just off air, except if you were on the live, and Brian was saying, you know, the kids know you, and I was like, it's because of Instagram, and I was talking about TikTok. There are certain humans that go around Earth that have admiration from different sectors. Truly, the people that I most admire for their creativity in storytelling that are my contemporaries, friends, acquaintances, if Brian's ever brought up, their reaction to you and how they admire you and your storytelling capabilities is, is reminds me of what like a 17 year old like flipper of eBay feels about me. So it's a fun way to start. So everybody, Brian is here. I'm gonna let him introduce himself like I always do. And then we're gonna get into a conversation about why he wrote a book considering where he's at and what he felt he wanted to say. And then we'll take a call from Instagrams, put your phone numbers in, Katie will grab that. But Brian, for the couple people that don't know who you are on this podcast, uh, please tell them who you are and what you're about. Okay. Um, my name is Brian Grazer. I accidented into the media business, into the storytelling business. It wasn't a plan. Uh, I didn't really know much about movies or television at, at all. I grew up very, very, very middle class in a little cul-de-sac in uh, Sherman Oaks. And um, now all of a And real sudden, quick, because I love to jump in and they're going to be mad at me for cutting you off okay. already. What did you play? as a six to 13 year old? Like what kind of kid were you? Were like sports, were you drawing? Were you selling? Were you lemonade stands washing cards? Yeah, oh I was selling, I didn't do lemonade stands, I would sell magazines, all types, Life Magazine, National Geographics, like lots of other kids, baseball cards, Um, I did a, uh, the Valley News and Green Cheap, which was a newspaper, voluntary payment. I was literally delivering papers to get no payment, zero. So you have to knock on the door and go, hi, my name is Brian Grazer. I, I deliver your Valley News and Green Sheet. I know it's voluntary, but would you consider paying me for the month? And I'd get like uh, 50% of that. How it. much of that selling in that kind of environment yeah. do you think later helped you sell through ideas? <laughs> Tom Hanks, when he learned I delivered the Valley News and Green Sheet, and because he is a master of all details, he said, this is the perfect thing. You're the perfect producer. That's what they have to do. Sell, 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 knowing they're always going to get baseline no. How are you going to treat that? And I used to say, as a producer, no to me is just a temporary point of view. I'll soon change it. I love that. Um, so you were that really kind of kid. So yeah. you played sports, you sold stuff. I played sports, I sold stuff, I had multiple paper outs that I said, just said. Um, I was a champion for the underdog, always. Um, probably because I felt like such an underdog in the classroom itself. So in the classroom, I had acute dyslexia. I couldn't read a word. So I couldn't, certainly I couldn't read a sentence. None of the words lined up, you know, cohesively. Um, or sequentially, uh, I, I couldn't read at all. And so therefore, it caused me a lot of shame because I would have to try to avoid all the sort of shame that would come with it so I would look away when the teacher looked at me. So I'd I know never look at anyone in the eyes in class. I know that game very well. Were you that? You know, I never was diagnosed, but my ability to consume information through reading or my ability to read out loud, Yes. It. if you ask me right now to walk across the street to go to 
Madison Square Garden and talk in front of 35,000 people yeah. on a dime, I would do it <laughs> e- so easily. If you ask me to it. read the back of this Ken Griffey Jr. But like literally sitting here right now and saying Don Drysdale pitched the first no-hitter for the Dodgers, like, that is like not comfortable for me. I understand. So I very much understand that and back to your point, never yeah. wanting to get called on since I knew no yeah. answers to anything yeah. nor did I ever want to read in class yeah. was something I mastered as well. Yeah, so probably you did things like um, invent having to go to the bathroom when you knew it was coming at you. The the te- you know question. I invented everything to yeah. avoid. Okay, so we did it all. We did not, all the same not stuff. Not going to school at all, like being homesick <laughs> because I knew there was an unavoidable situation, like the big test. Yes, I did all those things. It seemed to work for you, nonetheless. Yeah, well, you know, it, it's an interesting starting point to this conversation because I think right now we live in a parenting culture that tries to fix yeah. everything, yes. and I think all the advantages are from adversity. Yes, me too. I mean, totally agree. There's a lot of people watching right now that, yeah. you know, listen, everyone has their strengths, weaknesses, shortcomings, yeah. happinesses, yeah. but like professionally, you and I have had nice runs. Yeah. And I genuinely think a whole lot of that has to do with not being good at school. For sure. Yeah, I agree with you. Period. Okay. Because it causes us to be self reliant. Where kids now, and I have kids, uh, uh, you know, we dis- they become disempowered. 100%. And, yeah. and you know what happens with disempowerment? Unhappiness. Unhappiness. And what happens with unhappiness? You have no identity. Depression. And yep. so everybody wants to blame social networks for all these bad things that are happening to yes. kids without taking a look at themselves of how we've completely made these kids completely not be accountable and need us for everything. Yeah. That's a really good point, you know, because, um, you know, we kind of know that we're in this epidemic right now of loneliness and drugs and no, con- no human connection, all that stuff. But I never thought of, I never really focused it on the parent, parental side. It's the, the answer, in I my think, opinion. I think I, you're right. I, I really, think we have a really, contemporary parenting yeah. problem yeah. that tells children by our behavior <laughs> that you're not capable. Yeah. Let me go take care of this. I'm gonna yeah. run to school Solving and problems for at your the kids. bully. Like, yes. Yeah. My wife, Veronica, who's sitting behind yep, me, I see her. she says, I do, unfortunately, I bet you do this too. I do this with my employees. When I see them, they go, I don't know how or what do you do? I just go, I'll do it. I just do it. I do you do, do some, that? Or are you I better don't do that? that, but yeah. I definitely create entitlement in different ways, which yeah. is I'm actually taking on the core pressures, which eventually, mm. I had an interesting period in this company several years ago where I had to reset a little bit because I did create entitlement mm. from not micromanaging, because I don't micromanage, I just, I don't, hold, I don't create a whole lot of accountability. We just lost a fortune. Andy texted me this morning that we lost a lot of money on this thing we sold. And I'm like, how's that possible? We were super profitable. And he's like, <laughs> like the two people that were closest to it misjudged what we were doing with the people that were shipping with it. And like my reaction, and I was even watching, because I'm really being, trying to be thoughtful about this. I'm like, mm-hmm. man, what makes me awesome is I'm like, cool, next. <laughs> right. right that make, that's awesome. But at some other point, not creating radical candor to the people that are involved and being like, hey, yeah. like, I'm trying to find my balance and evolution yeah. because to your Me point, too. I'm just like, I got this, don't worry. It doesn't yes. mean anything in the scheme of things, yeah. which can lead to entitlement. Yeah. What I don't do though, which is the nuance of where we got here, yes. is I want the market to be the market. I don't handhold anybody about anything. I don't do the, I'll do this. I want them to do it and I'm willing for the whole thing to burn to the ground <laughs> so that they can understand that that's how it, and that's hard for a lot of people. Yeah, that would be hard for me. Yeah, I, that would be I scary. Would, I, would like, walk, I would yeah. like companies, projects. But it's good advice, by the way. You know, I'm gonna I, try it. I'll tell you what your advantage is. You know, like I'd rather have a major project completely fail and have it be my loss so that they understood that they couldn't do it 
which is where I know yeah, exactly that's where you're that. going. That's yeah. where you're. What's cool about where you're at at this point is setting it up from the beginning. Anyway, we're getting super sidetracked. Okay, yeah, okay. Come, there's, we still haven't gotten to the punchline of where a lot of okay. people are like, oh, that's that guy? Yeah. How did your All career right. go? Okay, so basically it was like this. Couldn't read, total avoidance of people, shame, everything else. On the playground, what was I like? I protected kids that were bullied. And I protected one kid, I remember, at a jun- right near at the jungle gym, a kid that was two years older than me. Ter- I was scared of this kid, but I fought him and surprisingly won. And I thought, you know what, I can do this. And I felt, finally felt the feeling of winning at something. So I and just- And was the school like stunned? Was this the like- The school a, was stunned. It was, was this pretty, like massive upset? Yeah, it was a pretty emotional thing. Yeah, like Clearly. the school was really stunned and I became like the man. I became, I really did. It was, and that happened all the way through high school actually. And then kids got really big. Right, you know what's crazy about that? <laughs> I can't believe we're talking about this and I'm yes. sidetracking even though I promised myself I wouldn't right now. Okay. I think we need to bring fighting back. <laughs> I have literally brought this up the other day. Meet I, you in the handball courts thing. I got, like. into, I got into five actual fights by the time I was in sixth grade. Yeah. I don't even, nobody fights. No one fights. No, we need no fighting. kids fight at all. I don't know any we, kids. I yet. think we need fighting to come back. Okay, let's There's bring. nothing crazy about a little scrap where somebody wins and loses. Yeah, I, I hear you. Because it's all about you. It's about like, are you gonna survive or not survive? It's a, there's a lot of things involved. Lot need, of, I think we need more schoolyard, meet you at the, I mean, I literally You're gonna fought, get a lot of comments on this episode. I'm very aware. <laughs> uh, I literally was like, literally had in sixth grade against Oded Weinstock. That was the kid's oh. name, Oded Weinstock. Yeah. Wow, that's a name. Like it was like a 3 p.m. at Marco's house oh. across from the ice cream truck and the whole school knew. Like yeah. the whole day, yeah. the fight was getting promoted. Like I was Don <laughs> King or something. <laughs> That's very funny. That's cool. So you won this big okay. fight. So I won this big fight. That became sort of that became a part of a very big part of my identity. Um, so around uh, junior high, in junior high, I was able to read. Um, not well, kind of like your yep. trepidation yep. about reading that baseball card. Anyway. I was able to read. So at that moment in time, I started really looking at people. I did just exactly the opposite. And I started looking at people and realizing, wow, I can learn so much more by actually looking at them. So not only am I reading some stuff, which would be kind of a ancillary sort of educational tool, but the real educational tool is like face-to-face communication. Really being present, looking at someone in the eyes, not staring at them in some weird way, not trying to think of 20 questions, but just like listening. having it, listening, yeah. Like letting that evolve. And I found that by face-to-face human connection, I could ask questions and really learn a lot. When you look at somebody, they have a tendency to trust you. They have a tendency to feel validated as a human being. They have a tendency to feel like this guy really cares. And because of that, people will really let it go. They'll, they will, give you their heart and soul and you give them your heart and soul and a lot's to be gained. So that was the point of why I wrote this book because I found that I, like I could tell learn. everybody the name of the book? The name of the book is called Face to Face, The Art of Human Connection. And you thought this is an incredible time because this is your superpower that you learned early and now it's a countercultural move to a technology world. Like it's so in the zeitgeist, right? Yeah. You knew that yes. so many people would hear that and say, "Oh my God, I need that," or "My kids need that," or yeah. "My executives need that," because yeah. everyone's demonizing technology. Yes. At, like I think it's perfect timing. 
Yeah, I think they're so compatible. I mean, search is very compatible with human connection because I don't think you should know nothing about somebody unless they're unless you're just meeting. But I think, you know, when you're going out to meet somebody, you should learn some it's, it's proper to learn something about that human being. You know what's funny about that? Brad? I always I often say that technology for me is the gateway drug to the face to face. Oh, very good. I feel and, similarly. And I think that that's why pe- I I think there's a lot of people who are more old school who yeah. are like you and I that love face to face that completely shit on technology yeah, and no, think it's I an either or. Yeah. I'm like, no, no, no. I have way more human interactions. Yes. Than, than most people because I use it, but I'm a little bit different. I actually don't research anything on people I meet for the first time. Okay. I use social media to meet people, we talk <laughs> a little bit, and then we'll have a meeting. Uh, I like coming in cold because yeah. I like listening and watching the same way you do, and I feel that if I do reading, yeah. that I'm taking somebody else's perspective and I'm already hedging my own observation yeah. based on somebody's two cents. Yeah. It's amazing how little I know about most people when I meet them, even very fancy people. Mm. Because I don't know a whole lot, because I like my, I like that restaurant that we met in the first time. Of course I'd heard your name, but I wouldn't have been able to know as, especially because I wasn't, Holly, I didn't know a lot about the whole Hollywood ecosystem. Yeah. yeah. I liked what I felt. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Which, the funny thing, okay, first of all, I love everything you just said. I think it's, <laughs> no, I do, it's amazing. Um, I, people say, how do you, you know, how have you started such great talents or given them a break or how do you pick writers? I mostly pick people just out of their aura, their energetic aura. That to me is the number one sort of litmus test for me. Do I f- feel their energy? Is that feeling right? And then, and then I go deeper. But, let's, let's make this fun for the audience from a content standpoint. Yeah. Give me some hot takes on first time you met them, the world didn't know who they were, now a lot of people know. Give me a couple anecdotal like person and what you felt in that first meeting. Jeez, okay. Um, well, I'm gonna cut back to Isaac Asimov. He's the most prolific science fiction writer in the world. I was dying to meet Isaac Asimov. I met he and his wife. I flew across the country from LA to New York to meet him. I didn't have a lot of money. And within the first five minutes, <clears throat> she, his wife said to him, Isaac, I don't think he knows enough about us. I think we should leave. So that wasn't a good situation. But I learned, in my case, I learned. I love that. And so I learned, you know, I probably should, know, I think they might have detected a truth. They might have detected he doesn't know enough. And I'm probably radiated that. That was probably with living within my aura. What was the context of the meeting? Well, the context was I was, there was a point in my life for 35 years where I still do this every two weeks, reach out, do a cold call to meet somebody that's expert in anything other than what I do for a living. So it could be science, medicine, politics, religion, all art forms, technology. What did they think when you reached out, why did they say yes from your perspective? Most From your perspective. My perspective is most people when they're out of alignment, you know, like they don't, their, their agendas are out of alignment with yours. They might just revert revert back to the fact, well, the guy makes big movies, and therefore it's possible they can enlarge my message. That's that's always sort of latent. I'm, I'm, in you me. know where I'm going with this series of questions? No. The level of audacity to make that statement yeah. from her yeah. is I'm fascinated by. Uh, she did it though. It was Yeah, yeah no, I'm aware yeah, she did yeah, yeah, You just told yeah. the story. I, I'm always fascinated by the level of yeah, that's Insta- aud- it's very audacious. It's very audacious. To say, we're leaving. Correct, and 
it, for me, it stems from a seed of insecurity that leads to that audacious act. Uh-huh. And I was more curious of like, what could have led to that? Right. What did she think you were extracting that, you know, like. I don't know. I'm very fascinated yeah. by bad yeah. behavior is really interesting to me. Yeah, because, interesting. Because I am unbelievably empathetic to hateful people because mm. the level of pain that is actually happening inside to get to bad behavior is extreme. Yeah. I think we hate on hate. Yeah. And I'm empathetic to hate. Interesting. Yeah, it is, it, which is not yeah, a very popular point of view right hate. now. Everyone yes. just wants a fight in our society. Yeah. And I actually think the unlock to yeah. betterness yeah. is to understand why somebody can even get, like, why would, why does somebody do that? You know, I, the people that I've come across, and I came from a very Eastern European family, there's a lot yeah. of dynamics there. Yeah. The weakest seem the strongest. Mm-hmm. That seems like a power move by her. It's a bullshit move by her. Interesting. You probably. I think it's a I'm weak sure move. Sure, you're right. Yeah. Well, you study a lot of things that I. Some things we overlap on, and that's interesting. I don't. Anyway, so I you learned from that. You took that. So, and so that was bad. Right. That was. <laughs> that was really bad. Yeah, it's always. Okay, the, Norman Lear. Yeah. Amazing. He just exudes. He's 98 years old. He exudes goodness. I met him 40 years ago when he was like the king of everything, and I just had lunch with him again last week. What so, about what about what about somebody? that a writer or an actor or producer or whatever that this was their break, that you gave them the break and what did you see in that moment? Uh, Bradley Cooper. Good, that's good, let's go. (laughs) Okay, so check this out on Bradley Cooper because he's such a big deal now. Right. I mean, he's a, you know, Oscar nominee and everything. Anyway, Bradley Cooper. Motherfucker can sing. I mean, he can do anything. So Bradley Cooper. He's uncomfortably (laughs) handsome. Let's just get to the punchline, so go ahead. It it, it was at least uh, 15 years ago. Uh, but but he, he remembers this super well and he brought it up to me only just recently. But basically, he was late to a meeting with me and he thought Brian Grazer, like, well, of I course, can't be late. Of course. He's out of breath, he's starving, he's in my office. I could tell he's hungry because I was eating <laughs> in. He was supposed to be eating. I'm eating a tuna fish sandwich, a giant one from Nate and Al's. <laughs> and I say, Why don't you eat half of this? And he goes, No. I go, I insist. He goes, all right, thanks. He gobbled it up like yeah, bang. Yeah, yeah. Now, smash cut, he's Oscar winning everything. What did you feel in that meeting? I just felt like it was the humane thing to do. He wasn't No, 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 a not from your perspective. I apologize. Oh, oh, sorry. Like, what did you take from it? Like, I think this kid's got something or he said something interesting or mm. who introduced you oh. was interesting and you were curious um, about that. I would say that's an interesting one. Somebody introduced me or made, made him, heightened my awareness to Bradley Cooper. But Had he been in that random Sex in the City episode yet? Oh my God. You like that? Give me something, D. D, give me something. I'm sneakier than people think. I am sneakier than people think. How you can get that? Where does that come out? Where in your vocabulary? I I am a weird dude. I pick up random shit. So I don't know. I really, I'm sorry. You you stumped me on that one. So that was one that you recall? Yeah, I just wanted to meet him because it was a good looking. How about you and Ron? Ron Howard, amazing. When did you guys meet? The reason I partnered with him, he had no, there was no evidence he could be a director, really. Right. There was like no empirical evidence. Right. I was just yelled out of my window. I was a producer. I was 26 years old, 27 years old, on the Paramount lot. I had just produced some really big movies for TV at 25. Like one was a 20-hour miniseries on the Ten Commandments. So I'd sort of got... Like people were, you know, thought this guy's got something. So now I've got something. I've got a big office. I yell out the window to see, because I see Ron Howard. He's the guy, actor on Happy Days. He's <laughs> yeah, yeah. I go, Ron Howard, hey, yeah. And I scourge, and I, 
I think it scared him because he kind of ran, moved, <laughs> ran away. And um, and then I called his office and said, hey, I just called, yelled out to Ron Howard. I know this is his office. Can I meet? And I sort of organized a meeting. He came up to my office like three or four days later, and he just came in. I almost felt like a glow, like a, the glow of the sun coming in at me close up, like just a glow of goodness. And I thought, awesome. wow, it was such a unique feeling energetically to to experience and to accept. And I thought, everybody needs goodness. I This is the guy I'm going to bet on. That's awesome. And, and he would tell it that way. And I bet on the right guy because he, he too became an Oscar-winning director and he's so re- incredibly gifted. But neither one of us knew that much about each other at the time. When... Is the book out or it's coming out? The book out. The book comes out in I think the seventeenth of September. Of September, sorry, yes. <laughs> of the people that have read it in your yeah. inner circles yeah. and things of that nature, it's always hard to get inner circle yeah. feedback because it's yeah. so vested. But has there been you know one thing that I knew about us that was similar and we brought it up here and I remember leaving the restaurant the first time we met and then at your house and things of that nature. We we are very similar in the way we read people in that way. Yes. Um, has there been anything that somebody, I, I know that you would pick up on this if you've seen it. Has anybody who's in your inner circle said something in a unique way or something unique that has given you an early insight to something that you're excited about that you may not even realized when you were done with the book? Has well, that I, happened yet? Yes. Good. Where people go, God, you wrote a book that's like a pathway to success. <laughs> and I thought, I would mostly be just telling stories that accessed on icon. Did you have a ghostwriter? I did. Here's what happened is I had somebody. I did. And you and did because I've written five New York yeah. Times bestselling books, yeah. and Stephanie Land is my ghostwriter. But the way I do it is I just sit with her for three, okay. four days. She okay. records everything and makes it into proper grammar. Okay. Not a word in there is hers. Yeah. Okay. So this is what happened with us. And I think a lot of people do that, like I do, but they're cautious to say they have a ghostwriter because when we hear ghostwriter, that's what I thought before yeah. I did it. You think, oh. Katie wrote it and yeah. I'm slapping my name on it. Like yeah. I literally read and I hate reading my own books multiple times in case God forbid there's some word that I felt like I might have said like serendipitous and she said randomly. <laughs> so we had a publishing date and then I said to my wife, you know, the publisher likes it, people are liking it and Veronica read it and she said, "It's garbage. I don't think it's very good. Yeah. yeah. I have an expression in making movies because Every one of the movies that have flopped that I've made, because I've made flops too. What's your too. biggest flop from your perspective? It doesn't have to be financially. Like you would say, you know what, fuck financially. I knew there was something special here. Oh, I love that you're looking at like. Oh, I'll say it. Okay, Fun with Dick and Jane with Jim Carrey. Explain and why. It still made $100 million. Forget about that. You know, it was still a hit because I'm prior to But you thought it should have been a billion? I did Liar Liar Giant. I'm aware. And then I did, yeah, and, and I want to give some, in case somebody's listening, you know, here. Um, they can Google you. Yeah, You've got okay. plenty of W's. Well, mostly it's about Jim, you know, like for example, it just was shitty. I mean, why? It, was, it was kind of a shitty idea. It was an old fashioned idea. I guess, you know, the, you know, superstars got excited let's about go, it. Let's go a different way. Yeah. And this is a fun question. It just wasn't good. I was embarrassed. I, get it. I use it as when I say something to my kids, they go, we're going to put on Dick and Jane, Dad. And they know, like, that's just so embarrassing to me. Anyway, so. Brian, real quick, not to interrupt you. Because but I dying. rationalize. Well, the, the point is, is that um, anytime I, I think, anytime I make a decision that's a good decision, it's a, that means it's shitty. Every decision has to be excellent. If it's not excellent and I go, good enough, it You're always dead. comes into shitty. Let me ask you a random thing in the other yes. way. Yeah. 
this is a fun question. I really want you to, I, I hope Try there's a real this. answer to it. Yeah. What film or show honestly did way better than you expected it? Because we're all humans. Even yeah. in the 100 point scale, you're like, oh, this is gonna be an 82, and then it was a 130. What was the, in the reverse, because yeah. it's easy to say I fucked this up, Okay. right? Yeah. Reverse. Okay. Like deeply, like, you know, I you, never, you never had to publicly say like, oh shit, this okay. is that big? I thought it was gonna be okay. <laughs> Def, okay, okay. Um, that's so great. That's Can a good question, you, right? It's a really good question. No one's asked me that question ever. No one. Very good, Gary Go I think it's, a, you know why? Because it's an interesting question. I know that you thought things that then did better. Yeah. I mean, it's just the truth. It's just yeah. the way it actually works. So you want to know which movie did I think was going to not do, do okay, well. Or, or, by the way, it might have been a hit, yeah. but, but it might have been a smash hit. You thought it was going to be a hit? Yeah. It's your biggest one of all time. Okay, or I got, you thought okay, it was going to be a C okay. and it was a B plus. I have a few of those for sure, but I'm going to give you the, the, the biggest a, one. The biggest one. Apollo 13. Because <laughs> what happened is we got really into it, Ron, Howard, Tom Hanks, and I, and we all thought, These, everyone knows the ending. It's How can this do more than $40 million, literally? Is, was the number you were running in your head? That was the number. We bet we all wrote on a, on a little piece of paper. The highest number was of 40 million. Of the three of you, right. It was 40. Was that yours because you're the most optimistic as a salesman? Yeah. I knew it. A, yeah, Go ahead, did. end. I know. Well, did like almost 400. Oh, and he got where? nine Oscar nominations. <laughs> where yeah. what happened? So, oh, and. But so we were just like totally shocked because we didn't realize it was going to become like... Why did that movie happen? Do you remember? I, yeah, of course I do. There, because um, it happened because there was a 12, little 12-page 12 treatment that Jim Lovell, the actual astronaut, wrote. I got it. Um, and I thought, wow, this is like a great story of survival where... Because I'm really fascinated with human capability. I thought, here are these guys. They're all on the level of human capability, level 10s, all three of them. And this event occurs that challenges that level 10 and, and, and causes them to think, we are not going to make it. How do, we, how do we summon something inside of us to get us to survive when we don't think it really exists? So I just thought, in the world of like human capability with highly capable men, that's what happened, and I thought that was pretty amazing. That's I'm, cool. Yeah, so that's what happened. And it did, re I mean, of course it did really well, but I thought there's no chance this is going to do more than 40 When million. did it open? December? 1997. Oh, uh, do you oh remember? in July. In it July. happened to, I didn't realize this because we don't plan movies for release times. It was, it, it synced up with NASA's celebration of the 20th anniversary, I think. Which was nice. Yeah, which was nice. So that, that we All had right, some so Veronica says this is shit, and okay. so what do you then do? So she says it's shit, and then I go, I don't know what to do. I can't revisit this. I can't. I can't. <laughs> like, I that. hate this thing. Yeah, already. yeah, yeah. She goes, I'll help you. And so That's for awesome. a year, she plugged in and she helped me and really did quite a bit, <laughs> to you know say the least. You know what's crazy about that? Like having people plug in. I've said this publicly, but I've never really gone all the way. I've, I've always, I always love talking about how I passed on Uber twice in the angel round and cost myself like you know a half a billion dollars. And wow. if you read my okay. first book, Crush It, that kind of put me on the map. Yes. Uh, the yeah. only person I thank besides my family is Travis. Travis was in between things, just hanging out, flying around the country, going to conferences in, in Vegas with me and AJ, just hanging out. <laughs> and he was like, hey, let me read it. And truly, out of all my books, the only thing that has ever been affected, it's not Steffi Land, though she's, it, without her constructing, there is no books. But Travis gave me a lot of feedback of like, That's no, cool. but you say this, you say this. 
And so I understand that dynamic. Yeah, oh good, yeah. So that's, that's kind cool. of how I played out. So it was great, it was great. Like what, my wife helped me, it was what, awesome. Uh, what, uh, what are you hoping people get out of it? I'm, well, I'm hoping that people get out of it that anyone could do this. Okay. I was a total solid F student. Do you, think, do you think deeply introverted people can Anyone do Anyone can do this. Okay, keep going. Anyone can do this because you don't have to be, in other words. What's stopping people from not being good at Facebook? This is how people screw up on uh, uh, public speaking, which you would, if you, anyone that is, people are terrified of public speaking. If you think to yourself, this is a, a gift. This is a, thank the audience. Be generous. Why do, you think, a, why do you think people are scared of public speaking so much? As like one of the core. Shame. Shame in front of a lot of people. Their, their fear of being embarrassed. Do you think that that gets to the higher level of the concept of actually worrying about other people's judgment? Yes. <laughs> this is the yeah, shit I'm spending all my time on. Well, that's a really good, that's so like, a, that is me, the most important thing. Let me give you an thing. example. You and Carrying I, as creative people, <clears throat> yeah. do you understand that kids are growing up now with TikTok, YouTube, Spotify? Like, do you yeah. understand that everybody can create now? At yeah, scale, I do. I do. At I a do. level that is so unprecedented. Yes, crazy. There were so many gatekeepers mm -hmm. when you got in the Hollywood game yeah. that had to say, "Yes, you have a chance." Yeah. Now we all have a chance, and yet people are still not making content to live their happiest and dream-filled life yeah. out of an anonymous comment that says they're ugly. Yeah. That's crazy. So it I've is. been thinking a lot about public speaking and yeah. social media mm. because I'm obviously remarkable at both. <laughs> and, and what I figured out was something quite ridiculous. My over-indexing, without jokes now, in both those categories actually leads to the core superpower that the DNA and parenting I was given was, which was I have oh. such internal self-esteem, noise from the outside. By the way, it's also why I have humility. I yeah. don't hear the cheering, which allows me to not hear the booing. I believe that parents are over cheering kids. Uh, People then become addicted to the cheering. It's a great subject. Which Jeez. then leads them to be crippled by the booing. Yeah. I agree. What you just said was profound. I love it. I think, if, yes. That's why I see, the great ones in our, in the media, our business, they go, I don't read the good ones, I don't read the bad ones, I don't read anything. They try, they, they, the, the great human beings to me, the, the, you know, the really self-actualized ones, they're the ones, it's like the way you just said. It's where you're not reliant upon external validation. And I'm hoping that people care more about their legacies because it leads to better micro behavior. Yes, it My does. depth of caring about what's said about me when I'm dead mm. actually leads to me being a dramatically better human while I'm alive. Yeah. And most people are like, well, I don't care when I'm dead. Yeah. They, I do. They want the short term. But I term. think you and I share this, I, I think. Um, we're both pretty karma oriented. A hundred percent. Because I, I definitely feel like you get the tip on the jump ball on everything if you're nice to people. The end. Because I think, because I think, <laughs> because end. I think there is I nothing. Talking, no, so but you know what's funny, Brian? It's funny. I actually think, the end. you know why? Because to that point, yes. I actually think the single most practical thing I know on earth yeah. is karma. Wow. And most people think it's the grayest Fluffiest. I agree with you though. It is singularly practical. Yeah. Do the right thing, yeah. be kind. It is so clear to me that that's how the world be, works. Just the physics of that works. I mean, it, 
It works that way for you, where the energy is working for you instead of against you. The wind's to your black back. Not Final to thoughts. What do you want to leave everybody who's listening about? This very entrepreneurial okay. and creative crew, which I think really fits. Listen, by the way, this is a little bit tighter than I want it to be, so I think okay. we're gonna, Brian and I are going to do this again. Great. For everybody who's listening, I'm going to give you guys a good point, uh, uh, something that I know my audience has not heard from me often. As you guys know, I tend not to publicly co-sign a lot of people, mainly because I don't really know that many people. I. <laughs> I do know people, but I'm scared to be like, follow this or care about that because I don't, I'm not in control. I, you know, I don't know what's, like, but once in a while, back to probably the weirdness of our relationship, yes. like, it's so obvious to me that the same value, and I don't know what you're putting out or what documentaries have been made of you or what content you're putting out, but for my audience, to Brian's earliest points, we obviously are different, like everybody is. I have an intuitive feeling that something that I bring value to you, the reason you're even listening to this, there's an overlap. I will never read three pages of of Brian's book and I easily know that it could bring a lot of value to the majority of my audience and that's not throwing a right hook for my buddy I don't think we've seen Thank each other you. in three fucking four years. <laughs> like really, really, so we have, we have warm feelings. We have warm feelings, but yeah. like this is bringing value to you. I know the Thank book is you. probably third. Not you, them. Oh, them. Oh, sorry. yes. Sorry. You'll be fine whether okay. this sells one copy or eight billion. <laughs> I have a feeling that what is attractive and has brought value to much of my audience, there's probably nuances from a different perspective, awarded differently, that might click at the cost of 13 to $16 or whatever fuck the discounted Amazon price is. Uh, so I'm gonna give that real cosign. I have a funny feeling for a lot Thank of you, you there's a build here. And for the ones that actually learn through actually reading, I think this will be a good one. Thank you. You're welcome, Brad. Good. I believe Thank that. You. I really do. I really, it's very It's op- opened up every door for me. I've learned everything. Can I say something? Every one of my movies, everything that was successful in my life came from this. This is actually a little bit weird for me and in a weird kind of like the world speaking to me. I have been spending a lot of time personally in the last year realizing that I should be making film and television and, and just sitting here with you, I'm like, right. If this is a talent game. Like this is what like, there's like, like in the same reason he would have been talented at all the things I ended up doing, like I understand human beings and human truths, yeah. and then I will naturally find those stories. Yeah. I understand why Spud Webb's story is a good story. It's because it's a, against all odds, five foot five guy, MB, like, it's just a bigger story than the Apollo, yeah. like the Apollo parts, the literal. Yeah. It's the gray. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it is. Blindside, the second I saw it, I'm like, this is gonna smash. A left tackle fucking football player. Yeah. That's the stupidest pitch of all time. <laughs> but the bigger story was obvious. Yeah. It's why Star Wars is my favorite thing. It is the most universal fucking story. Sure which is, is the fine line between good and bad yeah. is thinner than you think. Thanks guys for listening. Please, please, please share the podcast and make sure you've subscribed because a bunch of you aren't subscribed and more importantly, a bunch of you listen every day and haven't told your friends it's the best podcast in the world. I'm watching. Have a great day.